So tell me, what did you have for breakfast today? Uh, for breakfast, I had uh, eggs with chapati and a little bit of zero and papa. Wonderful. And cup of tea to finish off. Okay, well, as you know, my name is Nurdin Kasim. I'm one of the eight uh, uh, members of the family. So I've got seven siblings. Uh, mom and dad have departed for the best world. Um, and I'm here to meet the family. I come here from all the way from London, England. Where is here? Uh, in Calgary. And of course now in uh, uh, Scanmore. Canmore. Um, and uh, celebrate a few days uh, with the family. Listen, thanks for, for doing this. Um, I, I think if I were to count all the hours and minutes I've spent just talking to you, it probably hasn't been so long. You live in England, I live in Toronto. Once in a blue moon, we get together. Hi, how are you? You get angry that I haven't bought a house yet. And I tell you, don't worry, I've got plans. And then usually, okay, nice to see you. How's the family? How's Kazimir? Um, but today, because we've, um, people from all over have gathered here to celebrate your 80th birthday, um, your kids suggested to me that we should do a podcast taping, because mm. uh, they might have plans for you once this is done, that we might not hear from you again. So we're trying to get all of this on tape. Right. Okay, Sounds fine. good? Yes. So let's start off with this. Um, why don't you... Why don't you tell us, you know, where you were born, where, you, where you're from? Okay, originally from Uganda, mm -hmm. uh, born in uh, 1938, mm -hmm. December. Um, did most of my schooling in a place called Mbale, uh, which is the third largest town in Uganda. And then I went for further studies to United Kingdom, where I did uh, chartered accountancy. And uh, once I finished, I spent two to three years getting post-qualification experience and um, went back to Uganda. So you mentioned when we started seven siblings? Seven uh, plus you, so eight? No, seven siblings. In total. So altogether eight of us. Altogether eight of you. That's right. Tell me about Majin Bapaji, your mom and dad. Yes. Tell me about uh, Bapaji first. Okay. Well, Bapaji has, uh, was always... Uh, uh, in business with the grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, with his grandfather? Uh, no, or with yours? My, with my grandfather. So with what was your grandfather's name? Uh, grandfather's name was Qasim Kanji. Mm -hmm. So really my full name as such is Nurdin Jafar Qasim Kanji. Okay, hold uh, on, time. So you're a Kanji? I'm... I'm uh, no, 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 no. Yes or no, you're it, a Kanji? It, I, that's right. Okay, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Uh, well, Saim Kanji, you're right, but uh, what happened was um, this is the time of uh, uh, British protectorate period where, uh, you know, there were certain systems registering uh, your births, etc. And uh, as you know, in the olden days, there were very long birth certificates. Mm -hmm. And one of the columns in that one is uh, father's... Uh, name and occupation. So in the column it was Jafar Qasim and underneath that because there was not enough space they said Kanji Merchant. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Right, Kanji Merchant. So of course, they took Kasim as my surname. Yeah. And that's how I stuck with the Kasim surname, whereas uh, except for one brother younger than me, uh -huh. Taj, rest of them are known as Kanji. What's and wrong with Taj? Why did he picture on you? Sorry? Why did Taj pick a different name? And, uh, the reason was, I think, in his school certificate, in his school certificate, school days, uh, everywhere he kept on registering Charanya as the name uh, because really nobody in those days bothered about the surname. If they say, whose son are you? Oh, Jafar. Oh, Jafar's son, you know. Um, but why, so, why did he pick Charanya? Uh, uh, well, because Charanya is really our family tree name. Mm. We can run back to 13 names and Charanya is really our family tree name. So finally, when he was going for further studies, he realized that he was having difficulty in uh, what name to, to, to uh, uh, give because even his passport uh, was in the same as Charanya. Yeah. Uh, so by deed, he changed from Kanji to Charanya. Okay, so there's no legal questions or... No, 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 no. no it's Taj didn't get in trouble with the law and changed his name? Uh, well, not to the best of my knowledge. No. No. no, okay. That's a very legal answer you gave. So tell, tell me more about Bapiji, what he was doing. He was working with his father. Yeah, working with his father uh, in, uh, in business. And um, in my opinion, I think mom was a very great influence on the children because dad was always in business. And after- What kind of, what kind of business did he run? I, I think it was more of a, ma mainly retail, mm -hmm. but partly wholesale as well, uh, business. Uh, you know, textile, uh, household stuff, etc. Okay. Um, so as I said, we, we of course, then now, then would come home, get ready, and go to Jamaat Khana. So we see a lot more of my mom, mm -hmm. and she was a, you know, very great influence on all the children. Eight kids. Eight kids. That's crazy. Like these but, days, we think eight children. But not really. I mean, in those days, it was quite common to have. Uh, large family and mm -hmm. I suppose in those days we didn't have TV and other uh, extra <laughs> activities to to divert our attention. Mm -hmm. How did you divert your attention? <laughs> well I was still a young man uh, and uh, best best way to do it was to go for further studies and uh, and get some qualification. Uh, That's what you did in your spare time you studied? <laughs> You're not being a very good influence no. <laughs> on the children. Yeah. Tell, tell me about, you know, before, you know, before you got serious about your education and everything, right. um, you know, what, what, what was life like as a, as a child in, in Kampala? Uh, no, uh, we lived in, mainly we lived in Bali. In Bali, okay. In Bali. Um, life was very simple. It wasn't a, it wasn't a very big town, I would say. My guesstimate would be population of about 10,000 growing. Mm -hmm. uh, that all sorts of communities living, uh, uh, you know, in those days, uh, and because of uh, the the, the pro British protector policy, um, mainly you you you'd find Asian traders uh, in town. Mm -hmm. It is only after independence, post-independence that the Africans started coming in into the business. But when I left Uganda in 1960, it wasn't independent yet. Mm -hmm.
so you left you you were, you were I guess you studied in Bali and then you you left to go for university no I went straight to do chartered accountancy where it was articleship and uh, oh, okay uh, and uh, practical experience you had to gain so you had to work for a form of CA mm -hmm. and uh, study in the evening and uh, sit for exams so it was a five-year uh, apprenticeship and you did that where that's right where did you do that? Uh, well, in London or uh, no, in London. There's all all the years in in London. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm told that you met someone special in London. So you weren't all studies. Uh, As you told your mom and dad, I'm going to go and study. No, no, no. In fact, no, I was I was studying and uh, <coughs> I was um, introduced by my uncle, uh, who was then living in. Uh, London, mm -hmm. uh, a very nice person, as you said, that changed my life a bit. Who is who is this person? Uh, uh, my wife Rosina. Mm -hmm. So how how tell me so tell me about that. How old were you? Um, how serious were you about studying that you have time to go date people? Okay, uh, okay. I, I I didn't I couldn't go for further studies when I wanted because mom wasn't well. She was in the hospital in Nairobi. Mm. What, uh, was, dad, what was wrong? Uh, she had a very bad ulcer problem. Okay. Yeah, so dad had to do a lot of running around. Yeah. And really, uh, it was my responsibility being the eldest in the family mm -hmm. to be around. Um, so you went back back home? No, no, no. Then I, I, so I, I couldn't go for further studies till the age of 20. Okay. Uh, and, uh, well, after after that, um, you know, as the opportunity arose, uh, the siblings started coming to England mm -hmm. for their further studies. So tell tell me tell me who who came to England and, and what were they studying? Uh, I think I, I was as you know I was the first one to go in 1960. Yeah. And um, if I'm not wrong, I think Taj was the next one. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, mm -hmm. 62 or 63, mm -hmm. uh, or was it Salim? I can't remember. But both him and Salim, mm -hmm. they were the next, next ones to follow on. Amin uh, wasn't serious about his education? Uh, Amin, Amin came uh, thereafter uh, to, to study. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, they all followed their own, uh, uh, their own vocation or profession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel you're not telling the truth. No. There's no way that all of your brothers are very serious about education, and that's why they went to London. No, no, it's true because because that I remember going to university, and for example, in Toronto, people say, "Yeah, we're going to go Western. We want to study." Nobody goes to Western first year to study. They go to Western because they want to party. So if you go, where is Fashi? So if you guys go look at Western and he decides to go, it's not because he's interested in education. He's interested in partying. So, so tell me, really, why, okay. why London? No, no, <laughs> all, all, no, all of them, because I think the, the, you know, the Farmans were very, very strong mm -hmm. on making sure that the children get as much education as possible. Yeah. So I went for accountancy. Taj went for civil engineering. Yeah. Amin came for accountancy and he did study, he did a lot of, and, and till his, till, for the rest of his life, he worked in his accountant. 
Salim came and he did a course in hot, uh, hotel catering, mm -hmm. not hotel catering, hotel management. Mm -hmm. I, I think he was there for about two to three years. Uh, then the uh, next one was Shokat. Mm -hmm. He came for uh, accountancy and he did quite well until he retired. He worked as well. He, he first he worked uh, in, as an employee and then subsequently uh, he had his own practice. Uh, after that, Zarin came uh, for a course in teaching to the best of my knowledge. Zarin, I think, did, uh, I'm not so sure whether she went to Kampala or not, but she came and she qualified as a teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, then Shenaz came, qualified as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And after that, then the Uganda crisis started. Mm -hmm. So Ashifa, with the rest of the family, had to leave uh, Uganda well, basically as refugees. Yeah. So each one had their own vocation or profession. How, how important was um, Majin Bapiji in terms of, you know, what they were teaching you that, that you guys got really serious about studying? Um, well, they had to the, to the extent or the knowledge which they had, but we were very lucky. We had an uncle, that mom's cousin, mm -hmm. uh, doctor, who came and settled in Mbale. And uh, when I was considering going for a course in teaching, because there were a lot of farmans about teaching, and then one day he sat with me and he said, look, you're the eldest in the family, your responsibility, should you not consider something different? So I said, yeah, I don't mind. So he said, well, let's see what grade you get in your O-levels. Mm -hmm. Because in those days, in the school, in Mbali, we, we didn't have A-levels. Um, so after that, based on the results which I got, uh, he said that uh, I was hoping you'll go for medicine, but I don't <laughs> think you'll quite make it. So he said that, how about accountancy? Yeah. Uh, and then we discussed, and he said in the meantime, whilst you are working at a hotel, um, you know, go, go to an accountant and learn what debit, what credit is, uh, to give you some basic knowledge of, of accountancy. Uh, so that's where uh, the life started. Nice. So let's get back to the question of you meeting this uh, lovely lady. Yeah, okay. How, uh, old, how old were you? Um, I think I was about 21, 22, mm -hmm. 22, about 22. Um, so I'm, I, I, we, were, we were introduced at, uh, in those days, there wasn't a smiley center, but there was a place where everybody congregated for prayers and social activities and uh, majority of the Ismailis were really students. Mm -hmm. uh, they were very, very small population that had settled permanently. Uh, so we were introduced uh, uh, and soon after we were introduced, like mom, my mom, I developed uh, ulcer problem. Oh. Yeah, so I was away from the scene for almost uh, two months. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I couldn't make it to Jamaat Khana anywhere. Uh, and uh, after that, when, we, when I started, uh, I just met her and we were just friends, really. Just friends? <laughs> you stopped at just friends. <laughs> well, yeah, just, uh, just friends, because she was also uh, studying uh, to be a teacher. Okay. Uh, qualified uh, for the age group of something like three to eight, three to nine, mm -hmm. more kindergarten. Um, and uh, uh, we got to know each other a bit better. And she, How does one she, do that in the 60s? How do you get to know each other better? Mm -hmm. uh, well, just socially meet 
go out occasionally for coffee, but don't forget we live during the time mm -hmm. where particularly the girls were very worried in not to be seen to be with a boy too often mm -hmm. because if the the news reached home then the she'd be in trouble yeah then she would be in trouble and not only that she could, they could easily say i asked you to go and study and now i, I hear you got a boyfriend so you better come back you know yeah so she was very very concerned so we had to make sure that uh, our friendship was kept a very low profile so you both uh, of you were lying to your parents no 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 we, no we're not no we were not lying because the question never came up for us for us to lie okay <laughs> If they don't ask, you don't tell. Uh, exactly. Okay, okay. <laughs> Tips for the kids in this room. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, when did you guys realize, okay, let's let's get married or do we want to stop lying to our parents? Okay. So she went back to Kampala mm -hmm. and uh, she joined the school as a teacher. Uh, we were corresponding because in those days to use the phone was impossible. You just couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was, we didn't even have that kind of money to, to, to throw away. So just we write letters. And um, first, first of all, the time the, the issue came up was how long it would take before I qualify. Now, in, in 62, uh, I was preparing for my intermediate exams. Mm -hmm. In in '63, then we we started discussing, and and we said, should we should she wait? Should I wait for another at least three three years, if not longer, but at least three to five years before we consider getting together and talk about marriage? And um, the uh, the conclusion was that why not get married? She would, she would, uh, she could work as a teacher, mm -hmm. perhaps partly even maintain me because the pay in those days was very, very low. And I'll come to that in a, in a minute. Uh, provided we don't plan the family till after I was qualified. Mm -hmm. So both of us put uh, the uh, proposal or issue to the families. And they said that uh, as long as we discuss about it, we are serious about it, they really do not mind. The um, uncle of ours was in Bali. Mm -hmm. He tried to dissuade me. He said that, why are you in a hurry? So I, I mentioned to him, I said, look, this is the reasoning. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't mind if she's got to put up a lot of evenings on her own whilst I'm studying. She's quite happy to do so. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason why we decided to get married. And we got married in 1963. How old were you? I was uh, 24 and she was 22. Young. That's right. So tell me, I mean, at, at that age, you're studying, you know, society's different. Like you said, you're in England. You want to make sure that your parents don't know that you might be interested in seeing someone because things are very strict, very different than today. Right. Um, you know, so tell me about the court, you know, before that, the courtship in terms of how did you guys know? Because the way you explain it sounds very pragmatic. It sounds like a, a business transaction. Right, right? okay. Uh, well, as I switched to meet, uh, weekend was the only time we could see each other. So mm -hmm. uh, I would go and see her at her college. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, have a meal or go for a walk in the park. Um, and, and because I could not afford, uh, I didn't have too much money, I would cycle to her and cycle back home. How, f how far was that About distance? 12 miles each way. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, we, that way we got to know, uh, got to know each other. And uh, uh, basically it was uh, uh, during that period that we, we realized we liked each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, we would seriously consider in the future uh, marriage as a... My, my dad tells me stories of him staying with you while he's studying. That's right. While you and uh, Rosianti were married and stuff. That's right. Um, is, is that, was, was that common? Like, did, did the whole family, you know, because Maiji and Bapaji, you know, staying back and all the kids are, are coming to London to study. Um, tell me about, you know, that sort of situation. With okay. All the okay, what happened was I qualified, well, my last exam I did was 1966. Mm -hmm. Okay, because 63 we got married. By that time I'd finished, and under the old syllabus, I'd finished my intermediate exam, so I only had final exam to do. So 66 was my last exam I set. I qualified, and to gain some post-qualification experience, I joined Pricewaterhouse. Hmm. Um, and until that time, till before I qualified, her salary, gross salary before tax, was 32 pounds per month. 32 pounds per month and my salary was 14 pounds per month so really the basically teacher she, was making more than the accountant oh, <laughs> and uh, uh, basically really she maintained me if you like to if you like to know but we mm -hmm. uh, till after no no till just before I qualified we lived with what is known as Diggs in England which is with an English family okay. uh, which worked out well because uh, because you um, uh, in, in the evening when I'm studying, she had a company of the couple we lived with, very very elderly couple in their 70s. Yeah. Um, and just when they were ready to sell their house and move out of London, we we moved into a one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, once I qualified, then we we decided to buy a very small apartment and move down south of London. And at, it was at that time that your dad came up for his uh, hotel management uh, course and he lived with us. Luckily enough, we had uh, what we call in, in those days one and a half bedroom, mm -hmm. one main bedroom, one very small room. Yeah. So, and then he studied and, uh, well, he worked his way up. Nice. Did any of the other brothers and sisters come by and stay uh, with you guys? I, um, by that time, I think I think Taj Taj was there. Uh, I mean, perhaps came subsequently, but I don't know the exact uh, date. But Taj was again went straight to university mm -hmm. to continue his civil engineering. Nice. It's it's very rare or not as common um, these days to hear people talk fondly about their brothers and sisters. Um, it's very rare to have a mm -hmm. family reunion like this where um, almost your whole family in terms of your brothers and sisters who are able to make it have come. Um, wh how do have, why is that? Why are all of you so okay. close? Okay, I think few reasons. One is the 
town we lived in wasn't very big. Ismaili population wasn't really that very big. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, mom was a, my mom was a very great influence on us. Mm -hmm. And she always made sure that amongst the kids, there wasn't just the unity, because now we talk of what like unity and togetherness, etc. But that we oh, we were always there for each other. We tried to help each other. Like I know, a time when uh, my younger brother came to study in England, uh, Taj was the one who really spent many many hours, in spite of him studying, in spite of him working, mm -hmm. uh, in helping him to get through his A-levels, etc. So there's always this feeling of wanting to help each other. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I expect it was really that aspect of uh, unity, wanting to do each other, help each other, that kept, it, kept us together all the way through. Um, and that's the reason. Yeah. Is there a, who gets on your nerves the most? In terms of your siblings. No, frankly, nobody. No, I used to ask Maji. All right. When when all of you guys or the most most of you guys would get together, and I would ask her. I was okay. Which one? Which look at them. Which one is your favorite? Mm -hmm. And she would tell me. It's like asking me which eye do I want to lose, or which eye is be, is my favorite eye. But no, seriously, there must have been times. I mean, mm -hmm. Anise sometimes when we were younger, he threw a chuck in my head, and I was bleeding. Um, there must have been. Oh, I mean, uh, we, we, we had our own arguments and yeah, yeah. Uh, fights, not as, as uh, fist fights, mm -hmm. fights. but uh, uh, I, I honestly, with the hand on my heart, I cannot say or I wouldn't even would have said to any of my brothers and sisters that you are getting, that you are getting on my nerves. Except this one here. Except uh, no, that. You know, he's my buddy. He's your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, when did When did Tashi come around? Uh, now, now, as I said, uh, uh, the, only, uh, uh, the only time we were able to plant family was after I qualified. Okay. So I, I, I got my results at so I qualified in 67, I joined Price Waterhouse. So it's now the best, uh, uh, so with the best, best time to plant the family. Unfortunately, it took a while for Rosina to conceive. Mm -hmm. And of course, we had to see the doctors, etc. And in 60. Seven, mm -hmm. we moved down south and we acquired a very small apartment, one and a half bedroom and lounge diner together. Very, very small. I doubt even if it was more than six, 650 square feet. Um, and, and at that time, luckily enough, uh, Rosina conceived and uh, Tashi was born in 68. So basically, uh, five years after we got married. After you got or married. more than five years, yeah. You were, and you were in Le you're still in England or yeah, still in south, England, south, yeah. south of yeah, London. Yeah, because because uh, it wasn't just uh, uh, getting the post qualification experience, mm -hmm. but in the meantime it also gave me the opportunity to fish around in East Africa to see what was available in way of jobs, etc. So you still had designs on going back? Oh, oh no, definitely because it, the Fermans, the instruction of education department it was very very clear. You qualify and you go back home, mm -hmm. right? And that was seemed right thing to do because you owed that back to the society as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
So from so Tashi was born in 68, and just before she was born, I thought I would go and do some job hunting. Mm -hmm. So 68, I went job hunting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then 69, we moved, and few things happened regarding job in that period of one year, mm -hmm. 68, 69. Mm -hmm. So you went back to Nairobi? No, went back home. Okay. Bali. Bali. Okay. And um, Faisal, Faisal was born in? 71. 71. In July. Where? Uh, uh, he, uh, the actual delivery was in Kampala because okay, okay. because his Nanima, still in Nanima lived there. Okay. So yeah. uh, Rosina went over there for the, but at that time we were living in in place called Eldoret in Kenya. Okay, okay, okay. Because I remember you, uh, not that I remember, not that I was around, but you, you had left Kenya to go. Sorry, you had left uh, Uganda. Uganda to go back to Ke to go to Kenya. No, no, to back to Uganda. Back to Uganda. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so what happened? So Faisal was born in '71. 72, Idi Amin tells everybody to go. Right. <clears throat> what happened was, 68 when I went, um, prior to that, when I was in, in England, uh, some two or three people came to England, Ismailis, mm -hmm. and they had a kind of a seminar in the basement of Five Palace Gate, which was the main uh, hub where people got together, Ismailis got together. And uh, the, all, all three of them were qualified accountants. And they said, look, we have just formed what you would call a cooperative. We just joined the partnership of a firm from Kampala, from Nairobi, from Mombasa. And we would very much like you youngsters who are in accounting profession to come and join us. Mm -hmm. So when I went in 68, I approached them. And they said, look, we just recently got together because that partnership Four was formed in '64, and so that we can't yet afford a qualified person. Mm -hmm. So then I went uh, to Diamond Trust, Jubilee Insurance, and then Jubilee Insurance offered me a job as well. Mm -hmm. So I said I'll think about it, uh, but I very much wanted to be in the profession. The reason was eventually I wanted to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. So '69, there was nothing in hand. Uh, uh, I even didn't have enough money for the airfares, so I borrowed 100 pounds. I remember for two tickets, 50 pounds each for Rosina and myself. Uh, Tashi was baby in arms. Mm -hmm. uh, and in August uh, 69, uh, Tashi wasn't even a year old. Mm -hmm. We moved to Kampala okay. to be with uh, her parents. Yeah. And then in the meantime, I visited Mbale and I was considering since I had no as an answer in 68, mm -hmm. if I should go and open a practice in in Nambal 69. And my luck had it that at that time, a big job came on to them. And they said, look, we can't afford qualified guys still, but are you prepared to take this job as a consultant? Mm -hmm. So we agreed the salary terms. So I did this consultancy job starting from, I think it was end of September, early October 69. And whilst I was doing this job, it was a long, big job, messy job, etc. Ed, uh, I mean, was playing a lot of mischief at that time. But the the uh, the head office of the firm I worked for, they 
from Nairobi. They said that we need to open an office in Eldoret. Ah. And would the Kampala partners sound me out if I'm prepared to go that take on his challenge? No partners there. The nearest partner would be in Kisumu, so I would work under him. Uh, so I said, yes, I will. And it was, in fact, on Navarro's day, 21st of March, 1970, mm -hmm. that I flew uh, to Kisumu. Wow. And, then the, and then I was taken to Eldoret. Eldoret. And, and after that, I spent 10 years in Kenya. 10 years in Kenya. Uh, but various offices. Uh, Minaz remembers you as the chair of the education board that's right yeah, yeah. um what what does service mean to you what, why is that important uh I, I i suppose that really uh, uh rubs down from your parents because uh, dad was a volunteer for years years and years mm -hmm. uh, the aspect of service was always been impressed upon you know that some get to do uh, uh, I got to know that even the partners in the firm, whether it was in Nairobi, was in Kampala, they were also doing different type of community services. And, um, and I always uh, wished that I'd get the chance to, to do some service. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend? So we've got a lot of kids here going mm -hmm. into university soon. Mm -hmm. um, people that will start their own careers shortly. What would you recommend to them in terms of, you know, focusing 100% on career? You know, where does volunteerism come into that? What would you recommend to them? Uh, I, would, I would say don't just look at the Ismaili community per se. Mm -hmm. I think look at community at large. Uh, and I give you an example. Like, for example, there are other societies like uh, Roundtable, Lions, Rotary, and many others that you could even join as a youngster and start finding out what they are doing, where the help is required, uh, whether it is just pure, pure service, serving coffee and tea and a nice get-together, or going raising funds, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or going and helping to build a school or whatever. And of course, in the community, as you know, there are many areas where we can serve. So I, I would say no matter how busy you are, mm -hmm. um, do consider giving a bit of time that you can afford to the service. Make a start with the community, but consider service to the public at large. Nice. Did you ever think Dashi would be a doctor? Um, not really. No? Let alone, let alone doctor. I didn't think she would even, uh, uh, she would even make it to a good grade. That she would even go to university. And this is, you're telling the truth. Yes, I'm telling the truth. I tell you what, uh, both uh, uh, Margie and both Rosina and I mm -hmm. had a very great concern about her because uh, she, she was in a school, mm -hmm. a private school, yeah. where we did not realize then, we realized much later yeah. that she wasn't a happy child. She wasn't happy. happy. No, because she wasn't happy. Since 71. Uh, uh, no, this, when, since we moved to uh, since we moved to Nairobi in '72, okay, because she was. I thought it had to do with her little brother, maybe. No, yeah, not just. <laughs> no, no, no. He was he was a very good boy. Anyway, uh, so uh, 
we didn't realize at that time that she wasn't happy at school mm. and that reflected in her performance okay right and the reason was the school was very pushy you know all you would just produce results results and results mm -hmm. it was only after our until uh, after our transfer to england in 79 when she joined again a private school but not pushy at all mm -hmm. they let you grow under your own steam and we couldn't believe how how fast she grew in her studies in her in her what she whatever wanted to do uh, in uh, extracurricular activities and then we realized it was really the unnecessary uh, performance pressure mm -hmm. which really kept her pushed her behind so both Ruth and I were very pleasantly surprised that she had a lot more potential than what we realized yeah but I suppose some parents do make mistakes like that yeah so so when she got her doctorate what did that mean to you guys well, again, doctorate wasn't uh, on, on, on board at all. Mm -hmm. She, uh, um, uh, I think there was a stage when uh, both her mom and her were talking whether she should go for osteopathy uh, or what. And then she got interested in course in nutrition. Mm -hmm. So she went to the nutrition course as the first degree and she enjoyed it. And she wanted to do masters or MPhil in, in that uh, in, in uh, nutrition. Uh, so the university said that they will only offer her masters or MPhil provided she has a year's field experience. Uh, she was luckily enough having had some experience uh, with a gap year between school and university when she spent one, one academic year in Kenya that she built up her connections and uh, found a place in uh, Pakistan to go and work um, and at that time halfway through what, what no, no after that then she came and went in for MPhil or master's program in uh, uh, nutrition and at that time partway through her professors realized that the that the research work she was doing was nobody had done hmm. research work in that field at all so they told her that why don't you consider changing your program from MPhil or MSc into PhD. So she said that what do you think will be the cost like? So they said cost you at least three years course 60,000 pounds. So she came home, she discussed with us. Um, so Rosie and I discussed, we said well I think we can manage. So she are you quite sure? And she went back to university, so the, yes, I would like to do. And her luck had it that at that time, both the British government, I think it was Ministry of, uh, of Fisheries and Husbandry, they call it, mm -hmm. uh, together with Aga Khan Foundation UK, were floating a program of giving a, a PhD scholarship. Wow. And if she wasn't the only one, mm -hmm. there was a long queue of people who applied and not just smileys any anybody yeah anybody and uh, her luck had it that uh, she managed to grab that uh, scholarship nice you must have been very so, proud so we were very happy for her nice mm. tell me about faisal uh, he was going to be your doctor <coughs> faisal well <laughs> uh, well 
both the brother sisters were very different in very different ways you know uh -huh. uh, and uh, and i hope whenever tashi hears it or she hearing now she she whatever she did she had to work very very hard yeah. you know i mean really really hard to achieve faisal some of the other had a, i don't know call it photographing memory or whatever he, he just read once and he was okay you know um so at one stage when he, when he was still at school reading to go to university i did ask him i said that you know here's the practice i'm in you could easily join articleship and you can be a partner so he, in a very polite language he said uh, dad don't you think one accountant in the family is enough <laughs> so i got the message <laughs> and then i left it to him to his mercy mm -hmm. nice um i i want to skip ahead right to september 11 right 2001 uh faisal's working in new york right you guys are in england that's right you get the news you see it on tv or you call like when did you find out that the office that he's working in got hit okay at that time tashi was abroad mm -hmm. in uh, uh I think Pakistan, if I'm not wrong, or Syria. Rosina was in Vancouver. I was at home in London, mm -hmm. but I was not at home at that time. I'd gone, I'd gone to see uh, a friend come client. At that time, I was also involved in Focus, Focus Europe. Okay. Okay. So I'm with this friend of mine at something like. half nine before 10 o'clock one that morning and people from focus uh, so this was year 2001 2001 yeah okay yeah. so the focus office rang up he said that you know where are you you know we've been trying to contact you so i said what's the matter so so they said that uh, can you just watch see the tv what's happening and friend of mine was sitting next to me at whose as whose house I'd been to mm -hmm. and he switched on the TV and I saw the twin tower mm -hmm. and uh in 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 uh, flames and of course there was a great concern not knowing what's happening and to ring new york was virtually impossible i think majority of the lines were jammed because of some people phoning so I, so i rang up uh rosina in vancouver so you can imagine it is 10 o'clock so that that much 8 hours so i got her up from the sleep she looked uh, at the television and of course heart her heart just sank <clears throat> some of the others she managed to get through now i'm not so sure she whether she, no could she couldn't have got she couldn't have got through to faisal because he was out of the building i think she managed to get through to nusrat okay right and nusrat said that first of all i'm not sure whether it was twin tower 1 or 2 because i asked my colleagues you know sitting and they said that they don't know uh but she said that faisal has vacated the building he's rung me up to say he's okay he's just going home to pick up few things because even that that 
complex where they were seeing, uh, they were staying was also barred for people to get there. Um, and it, it was a very, it was a very trying period, mm -hmm. very trying period because I, uh, Rosina managed to speak to him much, much earlier than me. And I think I spoke to him by the time I got through to him and I spoke to him, I think it was you looking at almost 36 hours. Wow. Um, so at that time, you can imagine the, you know, feelings and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And did you, you told him to come home? Um, not really, because <laughs> he was there with his uh, wife, you know, Rosat was there, and wasn't fair, but to find out if they were safe yeah, yeah. and they were okay, and there was anything that we could do. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they basically assured us that uh, everything was, was okay. And in time to come, they will be able to return to their apartments or they park themselves with a friend of theirs. Yeah. <clears throat> and then 12 years later, Tashi's in Nairobi. Almost to the day, in Westgate. She's in Westgate. All right. And that gets attacked. Did you know she was in the mall? I had no idea at all. I had no idea at all. I think, I think if I'm not wrong, then I think in the family, Alim was the first one to know, I think, because Tashi was able to communicate with him over the phone. Mm -hmm. And through that, we got the news. And she was still in the building, and I think I may have contacted Anil at that time, and he said, look, I got the news. She's okay, but she's not 100% safe. Because they're hiding in somebody's shop in the, in the building, mm -hmm. so we can only hope and pray that these crazy guys don't get there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're constantly o on the phone, and it was quite a few hours before she was able to get out of the building. And then she goes back and lives there. Uh, that's right. So what's wrong with her? Okay, I tell you what, no, you're absolutely right, because soon after that, for, for her work, uh, she came to London and till then, of course, I was pestering her. Mm -hmm. Are you in a safe place? Should you be staying there? I appreciate you are working for AKDN, but when does your contract finish? Mm -hmm. Soon after she arrived into London, so, while she was there, an incident took place in France, if you recall. Mm, yes. Right? So she questioned me. She said that I could just as well have been in France and got caught there. Yeah. She said, what's the difference? Uh, right, and uh, unfortunately, she's uh, much raised, more much more strong-headed than you me. You raised a smart daughter. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, so, or yeah. fortunately. <laughs> um, there's a question that all of the children of you brothers have had, which I don't know has been answered yet, and that's this whole question about mance. What is Mance? Why was Mance? And why is there no more Mance? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Mance. Did you, did you say man, M-E-N? M-A-N-T-S. Oh, Mance. Sorry, I thought yes. you... Yeah, okay. So tell me, what, how did this... What, so for those who don't know hmm. what Mance is, explain the idea of this thing. Well, I, I think it was more of a... Came more out of a laugh than, a laugh. A, than anything okay, else. Okay, looking for a laugh. Because, okay. because we were looking at all the initials, 
And as you know, Shok is known as Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Okay, then Amin. Yeah. Nurdin. Yeah. Taj. Yeah. Salim. Okay. Amen. So right. Yeah. So we said that. Why don't you in a very Why don't we in a very small way, uh, you know, put our bit of savings together so if we can buy something. So we did that, and and we bought. Uh, uh, we bought, a, I don't know whether you call it plaza or just a shop mm -hmm. in uh, Kingston or somewhere. Yeah, yeah in, in Kingston. And that was our joint investment and, and that created a lot of, lot of excitement. So it was, you know, it just came from laugh and we thought we'd try and have a go. And so to what happened? Well, uh, you know, eventually then the uh, building had to be sold mm -hmm. and uh, we realized that being involved in our own profession in our work situation in our vocation mm -hmm. uh, really it is not something you just collect the money together and put it you really need to be together working together maybe two three of you then join and as we were all spread out mm -hmm. uh, all over the place uh, it wasn't quite a practical uh, thing to 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 do but it was a it was a good experience good laugh and uh, um, and, and we enjoyed that. We, we enjoyed that time. Yeah. So it was just a one-off thing. Just kind of one-off. Yeah. Yeah. The corporation yeah. has been. Yeah, they've been dissolved. It's dissolved. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, so we don't need to worry that you no, guys have made any bad investments. No, no, no. no okay. No. <laughs> and 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 if there is, then each brother might be sitting on a million each, which you'll perhaps get to know later on. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> So we'll continue being very no, nice. That's on a very, that's on a, <laughs> on a very light-hearted comment, anyway. Yeah. Uh, tell tell me about your work. You obviously uh, an accountant. Um, tell me about some of your experiences. Okay. Uh, as you know, I, I I went back to Uganda and I joined this firm as a consultant in 1969. Mm -hmm. Then they offered me a permanent job, resident manager in Eldoret, 1970. Mm -hmm. So I virtually went to Eldoret, found the premises, got a couple of guys from the street to sweep and clean it out, went to a furniture shop and ordered the furniture for the office, and and the firm was very, very strict in his, what they did. I was told, this is the time scale we are giving you. These are the number of months that we, we, we give the salary, and you prepare your own budget, and you tell us from what date the the billing you will do, you'll start getting the money. And they said that we will give you the initial introduction of a client, mm -hmm. which was mainly corporate societies, but then you build up your own connections and build up the clientele. So I went to Eldoret in 1970. Uh, 71, uh, Tanzania Property Act came in and the partner in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, got cold feet and he left and he, he moved to Mombasa office. Mm -hmm. So I was asked at that time to go uh, to Dar es Salaam, uh, to, which was a fully fledged office, uh, and uh, uh, really basically to try and do the work and be in touch with the Dar es Salaam partner who was in Mombasa. And at that time, uh, 71 was Pfizer was born. Uh, so I was all over the place in Tanga, Dar es Salaam, uh, Mwanza, uh, all those places to, to, you know, doing the job. Um, and I also got the chance then 
to pop over to Kampala after Faisal was born to see him and then come back. So in 72, again, the Uganda blew up, hmm. right? I was still in Eldoret. And then in 73, there was movement of partners. There were Kampala, two Kampala partners resigned, well, resigned because the office was closed, it was kicked out, and they decided not to continue with the firm and move to Kenya, they went straight to Canada. Um, so there was shortage of manpower, and in 73, 70, 70, 71, 72, October, November, I was told to move to Mombasa office mm -hmm. because the guy who was in Mombasa office, uh, who was in uh, Mombasa office, the Dar es Salaam partner, he got a posting to a new office in Iran, Tehran. Okay, so I had to do quick packing, uh, and I had to call in another resident manager to Eldoret to take over, and then I moved out to Mombasa. Uh, I was supposed to have stayed there for three years, but then because of what had happened in Uganda, it had the ripple effect in Kenya, and they thought maybe Kenya will repeat what Uganda has done. Uh, and again, from there, two partners resigned. So there's only one partner left there. So I was asked after six months to move to Nairobi. Mm -hmm. So my longest stay was in Nairobi from uh, from uh, 73 right through to 79 when I was transferred to London office where I stayed till I got retired at the age of 60 according to the partnership agreement. Yeah. <coughs> Let's go back to family. Um, how long were you married for to Rosianti? A uh, few months short of 50 years. few months short. She passed away a couple, few years ago. Six years back. Six years ago now. Um, she was sick for a while, yeah? Uh, not really. I mean, um, when, when we went to Nairobi in uh, 2011, no, sorry, uh, 2010, at that time, there were the first signs of her, you know, not feeling well, getting out of breath and mm -hmm. all that. It could have been 10 or 2011. Um, and then she died in 2012. So really her illness lasted for less than two years. Less than two years. Tell me about her. How uh, was she as a, a wife, a mom, a grandmother? She was my wife. She was my best friend. Mm -hmm. She was my advisor. She was my close confidant. I could not have found a person like her. And I don't think I'm likely to find. Do you have a favorite memory? Lots and lots and lots. Tell me one. Well, many memories. You know, we, we went and spent quite a bit of time seeing the family. Mm -hmm. um, and it, not just the family, but after us, other wives came into the family as well because the brothers got married. Um, and Rosina was very good in bonding with them. Uh, then crisis, Uganda crisis, her parents had to leave. Mm -hmm. Uganda being UK. Uh, so 
in in anything in anything I did or we did, she was always very unanimous, you know, in in uh, in uh, playing the rightful role in uh, the family. Number two, <clears throat> I uh, I spent uh, close to five years uh, in Kenya in in Jamaati services, uh, and again. 10 years in UK. She was a total backbone in that. If it wasn't for her support, mm -hmm. I did not continue. Not only that, I even got involved in, uh, in uh, serving in charities outside the community, mm -hmm. like for example, Rotary and, yeah. and others. And she was fully very supportive of it. And really, at times when I think back, I I I, I wish uh, I dropped some of those things to spend more time with her at home. Mm. But uh, and if today the children are grown up to be what they are, I think it's a greater influence was from Rosina than me. You started a foundation soon That's after. Right. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's the name? What do you, What does it do? Okay. Uh, when when Rosina was alive, we always dis we discussed that uh, sometime fu in fu in in future, when the children have ed have education, when they are married, they are well settled, maybe we should try and put a bit of savings towards doing something, uh, which is left in legacy uh, for others, be it for the community, community at large, and of course, she, in the meantime, she died. At that time, I had to do a lot of planning. Planning in the sense, I, uh, unlike Canada, in UK, our what we call death taxes, death duties, mm. what they know, what is known as inheritance tax, yeah. are very, very high, very, very high. After 325,000 pounds, everything, 40% goes to the government. So wow. basically, you are, you are really paying taxes on taxes, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. I was hell-bent in not wanting to give one penny to the chancellor. As a good accountant. Right? Yeah, and, yeah <laughs> and I had to do a bit of planning. Then the thought came to me on what Rosina and I, I discussed. And, we, and I had full support of the children. They said, look, we are doing fine. You don't have to look at anything wanting to give to us. You do what you want to do. So having fulfilled her wishes, um, I had the golden opportunity of not just creating the foundation, but the main reason for creating the foundation was putting in it a lump sum, not directly, in an indirect manner, which would escape tax. Mm. So I had shares in a property company, which I, I just put in there, which has kept total tax. Subsequently, the partners who owned it sold it, and the money went to the foundation. Uh, uh, so that was the reason why we followed the foundation. And I don't think many people know, but you, as you perhaps know, my email address is R-O-Z-Y-N-O-O-R, mm -hmm. blah, 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 okay? When we were doing the foundation, I met a guy from the institute, and um, he said, he said, he said, he said that if you are forming the foundation, can I suggest one thing? I said, what is it? He said, do you remember the time when Hazimam went to Central Asia for the first time, right? 
So I say, yeah. He said that since then, since that year, Ismail is in Central Asia, celebrated day, which means light of the day. Mm-hmm. And that to them in their language is Rosinur, but mm. not Y, R-O-Z-I-N-O-O-R. Mm. So it fitted in very well. So the foundation is known as Rosinur Foundation, which is under the which is under the uh, governance of Charities Commission England. Okay, and, and what's, what does the foundation do? Uh, basically, the, the charter of the foundation is uh, to spend the money for education, health, microfinance, uh, so any charitable clause and public at large, yeah. Mm. And can, how can people here get involved? Sorry? How, how, how can people get involved? Okay, I'll, I'll, co- I'll come to that. I'll come to that in a minute. So, uh, you know, we had the opportunity of doing a couple of things for the foundation, which we did. Um, and after doing our the second, second bit, to which I'm sure you'll ask me about, uh, I thought now majority of the funds were spent, uh, and I really didn't want to leave this as a burden on the children. Mm-hmm. So we had a meeting of the trustees, Nusrat, uh, Anil, Faisal, Tashi, and I said, look, uh, I propose that why don't we close the foundation because we have so, it's served our purpose and I can't see where extra money will come from. Um, and uh, at that time, at the trustees meeting, the four, cha- four trustees, not me, that, they said, look, even if you put in a small amount each year, each of us, Mm-hmm. It'll be a small amount, but this, you say that in the third world countries, like for example in microfinance, I don't know if you're aware, in microfinance they, they give an amount like 500 pounds mm-hmm. for somebody who, who's going to learn for beekeeping or uh, 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 sewing uh, or um, uh, you know, making imitation jewelry and then they slowly repair. So it's that, you know, there are many uh, areas uh, in Africa, in, uh, in the subcontinent, Central Asia, where we can do something. Basically, more than us, if we can get the three grandchildren to try and look for the causes or come with us and inculcate into them mm-hmm. the feeling of giving, mm. then we think we would achieve something. And so that afterwards we can always dissolve if you want to. So that, you know, we'd like to continue. So this is the reason why we decided to continue. And uh, as you know, in the foundation, in the first two years, we, we gave a scholarship to two students from third world country oh. to get into STEP program, which stands for sec- Secondary Teachers Education Program, STEP program. Uh, f- uh, for is a two-year course, uh, and we, we offered two scholarships okay. to that. And um, uh, then this opportunity came, um, uh, you know, to look to, to really work fairly in our lap of something which is part of our heritage. Our means not our co- family, but community heritage, mm-hmm. where we could uh, give something on which re- research work can be done uh, and it's for purpose of education, research, and a- exhibition, which, as you know, was the recent uh, uh, gifting of uh, Fatimid coins. 
I, I don't know this. Tell me. Okay. Uh, uh, I, um, I, I, I don't think I want to go into the long story of how it came about unless you ask me later on. Basically, we had a rare opportunity of laying our hands on 1,300 Fatimid coins, Whoa. of which 15% thereabout were gold coins, and the remaining were silver coins. Now, when we talk of Fatimid coins, if you, when you're reciting dua, mm -hmm. if you come to Imam Moez, and if you continue to Imam Mustan Sibila, the first one, you'll notice there are eight Imams. And that is what we call our golden age of Fatimid Empire, where our Imams ruled Iraq, Palestine, Cairo, all that area. And during that time, these were the currency in use. And these this 1,300 coins we, which we managed to get uh, were, were a very rare, uh, large collection. And in that one, there were some coins which, you, which so far from what has been found, <coughs> you would say that there are not even half a dozen in the world, in the whole world. Mm. Some of them are even less than that. Uh, so we got this and we had the, uh, we had the opportunity of uh, preparing uh, uh, two catalogs, uh, one with 60 coins to make it more symbolic for Malapa's uh, 60th year as Imam. Uh, but with greater details on each of these coins. And another catalogue, that was 150 pages, 220 pages, of all the 1,300 coins uh, giving some bit of information, weight, dimension, etc. And this is where we're hoping in future, uh, uh, you know, it'll go into, somebody will do the research uh, on it, uh, maybe even PhD program in that one, and uh, come up with more and more about our history because as mom has mentioned that it's important for us to preserve our heritage and and and, and our history mm. Mm. that's amazing yeah that's really good listen before we close because everyone is hungry i think we've got burgers waiting for us and Aminata wants to do some karaoke because mm. he rented a machine you're right um your kids are now grown up you're now a grandfather um, tell me about Tashi today, Faisal today. Tell me about being a grandfather. Uh, it, it, I mean, as you know, Rosina died in uh, 12. So really, she also had a lot of opportunity of spending together with me quality time with the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can, I can put a surmise by comment with Tashi made to me many, many years back, and she said, when we were young, you didn't even spend 5% of the time with us, and here, you got all the time for your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, it, it, is, it is a very privileged position, it's a very unique position um, that I would want every person to enjoy, but there's nothing like uh, enjoying the position of grandparents yet grandparentage and uh, getting to your grandchildren well and bonding with them. Nice. Yes, and I would like to think, we may not have been 100% successful, but I would like to think that I bonded well, fairly well with my grandchildren. If anybody wants to, to give 
to uh, the Rosinger Foundation, they're still able to. Yeah, they can they yeah. do it. There's a website, uh, um, uh, and um, there's a bank, Virgin Bank, through which it, you know. Yeah, so if you go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com, and then there's a search functionality, and just put Rosie Noor Foundation. That's right. R-O-Z-I-N-O-O-R uh, Foundation. Um, before I let you go, over a year ago, so I do this podcast because, you know, in, we make a joke in, in, uh, in, in, in this country that, you know, some people on a, on a certain night, they go and they play ice hockey with their buddies. And that's their, that's their time. For me, I mean, Minaz knows, every Tuesday night, I do this. I leave work and I go straight to the studio and I have maybe one, two, three of these interviews in the studio. Um, and this is my version of, you know, playing hockey. Okay. Um, but over a year ago, uh, and, and so this is, this is just something I do because I really enjoy doing it. But over a year ago, um, made a decision that I'd really love every year. We don't have lots of money. We have a few dollars here and there to give some money away every year to someone that we have spoken to, interviewed. So whether it is someone interesting in the city that we live in, Toronto, or anywhere. So I would like to give a donation from this podcast to the Rosator Foundation. Thank you. And it's, it's an honor to do that. So thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.